Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. With the internet's best converting checkout, 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms, Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers. In fact, Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash podcast free. All lowercase, shopify.com slash podcast free, shopify.com slash podcast free. Sometimes our commander-in-chief, ideally upholder of the law, fails to inspire us. Take the 1970s. Well, I'm not a crook. Or the 90s. I did not have sexual relations with that woman. And now the 21st century. I'm an extremely stable genius. You're about to hear two attorneys make sense out of a legal system some say is a train wreck. Here are Royal Oaks and Connor Oaks. This is Too Many Lawyers. This is Too Many Lawyers. I'm Royal Oaks. And I'm Connor Oaks. The abortion decision leak. WTF, Connor. WTF. Now, I'm using an acronym here because our podcast... It's a family-friendly zone. Well, it's yeah, that's where I'm headed. When you start the podcast, the podcast company says, well, do you want it to be anything goes language-wise? Because as you know, when you listen to, I don't know, Mark Maron or Joe Rogan or whatever... Anything goes. Anything goes. Anything say anything. No FCC regulation here, baby. Well, that's right. Uh, on the other hand, some people choose to you know, try to avoid as the, we do the rough language. Yes. Yeah. Well, um, now that I'm thinking, maybe we should canvas our vast listening audience. Maybe they'd like a, to hear us just let we it could, rip. We could have a, a special a Patreon for. Uh, microtransaction payments for us to to listen to bonus episodes where we work blue and we say gosh darn a lot yeah that that would be good if i knew what patreon meant what the heck is a patreon people can pay you for the things that you do but patreon's a real word you didn't just make that up patreon.com is a website now we're doing free ads for patreon how do we have a podcast we've never even discussed monetizing it through patreon we really do truly do this for the love of the game we'll look into it so uh we're gonna actually dedicate almost the entire podcast to talking about the uh, Supreme Court abortion decision leak. Uh, we are also going to talk just briefly about the Dave Chappelle. I mean, nothing's more important than Dave Chappelle, so we've got to talk about him a little mm-hmm, bit. Mm-hmm. And we will uh, have our uh, special feature, Guess the Verdict, at the end of the show. Today, uh, Guess the Verdict deals with the big, bad, barking dog. I will lay out the facts of a real case for Connor, and he'll get to guess the outcome. He'll see if he can guess the verdict this week. So before we get to the uh, various angles of the abortion decision leak, just a couple of comments about Dave Chappelle. First of all, I mean, it's so sad. I mean, it was sort of predictable after what happened with the Oscars that, you know, some nutcase would say, oh, well, if Will Smith can just charge the stage and go after a comedian, I guess I will, too. I mean, it, you know, there's so many crazy, you know, wacko schizophrenic people out there. We could see some dead comedians. And Dave Chappelle got real lucky. I mean, I don't know if he was hurt at all, but the guy charged up there. And as everybody knows, he had a replica gun and attached to the replica gun was a real live non-replica sharp knife that could have killed somebody. Yeah. 
So here's what I wanted to chat about briefly about this. And we, you know, we talked about this in various uh, outlets and I was doing some stuff on TV about it because people were asking, why the hell isn't the guy being charged with a felony? So, you know, we kind of got up to speed on battery with the Will Smith deal a few weeks ago. And what we learned was that in California, in the same way in most states, uh, you got felony battery and you got misdemeanor battery. And felony battery is where there is a serious injury. And misdemeanor battery is where you were battered, but it wasn't a serious injury. Right. And the interesting angle there is if the victim isn't going to say to the cops, yeah, please prosecute, uh, if it's a misdemeanor, then there can be, there may be no prosecution of a misdemeanor. But if it's a serious injury type felony, it doesn't matter what the victim says, yeah. the, the prosecutors are free to go forward. All right. So that's the Will Smith background. So now we have the Dave Chappelle thing. The guy charges up. And the district attorney, George Gascon in Los Angeles County, who, of course, is very controversial and there's a recall effort against him hey, because George. he is allegedly so soft on crime. And the argument is, gee, George, how come you're not prosecuting this guy for a felony because he had the knife attached to the replica gun? And the answer by Gascon apparently was, well, read your statute uh, unless somebody is actually in, uh, unless he pulls the gun or pulls the knife. Right. Uh, in the course of the battery, then it's not really a felony. And Chappelle is coming back and saying, hey, you know, I was in danger. Maybe he didn't take it out of the backpack on the stage of the Hollywood Bowl, but he, he did try to take it out. Apparently, he, he got it out for just a brief second when he was being pummeled by the guys backstage. And so, therefore, Chappelle's lawyer says this should have been a felony. It does seem a little strange. I mean, you know, if you're stuck with some limiting language in the statute, but it seems kind of strange that it, you know, you can't be, uh, it can't be a felony, especially when, you know, misdemeanors now in California, they're not prosecuting him. He's not going to go to jail for a year, which is the maximum in California for a misdemeanor battery. Uh, would you like to see a situation where the the cops or the prosecutors would have an option to go after this maniac for felony battery against Chappelle? It's a, it's a tough question when you, whenever you look at any individual crime and you look at any individual criminal and you say, well, in this specific case, we're 100 percent sure that he was uh, is guilty. Right. It's easy to say this person's guilty because he ran up on stage in front of thousands of people. Right. Most crimes aren't committed in front of he thousands could, of people. On the other hand, he could have been on LSD. Sure. Yeah. Uh, he point. could have yeah. been drunk. Yeah. He, somebody could have said, I'm going to kill all 18 of your children if you don't, yeah, you don't do, do exactly yeah. this. So yeah, yeah. you never Only know. But the fact children, is, 17 children, I wouldn't have done it. But 18 right. children, I'm tackling Dave Chappelle. But absolutely. we know. I mean, I got in yes. trouble with our friend uh, Cheka Smith, who mm -hmm. I posted, you know, uh, something on YouTube. No, not YouTube, uh, Facebook. Uh, and I said, well, uh, my comment on Channel 4 about the perp who went after uh, Dave Chappelle and uh, Cheka Smith said, perp, Alleged. he hasn't been convicted. Convicted yet? Innocent until I had to proven guilty. Check is always right, Check and so I, right. I acknowledge that she was right there. But here, so you were—I interrupted your your take no, on, it, on the felony issue. It, it, to me, um, the idea that uh, George Gascon or the prosecutor's office generally are being soft on crime is a miss labeling uh, and an inaccurate description of what they're doing. And I think the idea of punishing somebody with a misdemeanor uh, is not somehow um, uh, soft on crime. It's not weak. What it's it amounts not... to is, you now never do that again. Never do that <laughs> again. I'm not giving you even a day in jail because, well, you know, we're only prosecuting misdemeanors in L.A. County. I mean, isn't that but, soft on crime? Well, re remember that there are lots of ways to... Uh, 
try to uh, accomplish the goals of uh, a justice system. Uh, rehabilitation is one of the the goals of a justice system. Um, uh, making the victim feel better is, an, is one of the ways uh, that our justice system can succeed. There are lots of tools in our tool belt and putting somebody in jail is but one of those tools. So if you you know, say to Dave Chappelle, sit him down and say, look, I know that you would like this guy to be locked up for the rest of uh, both your natural lives so that you can sleep easier at night. But what if he's on probation? What if he's on supervised, you know, has a parole officer? What if he's uh, placed in a community halfway house where he's uh, on supervised semi partial release for a while? What if he is made to pay restitution? What if he uh, has to undergo therapy or group therapy sessions or join well, a community yeah, you're right. There are all sorts of options. But I mean, I, wouldn't you support... Uh, changing the the statute, the criminal statute in California, so that if he's got the the knife in his backpack and if he uses it backstage, uh, even though he didn't use it against Chappelle, I mean, isn't it kind of tempting to say, let's you know, in a perfect world, we'd charge this guy with a damn felony? In my mind, in a, in a perfect world, the punishment always fits the crime, sure. But the idea of, well, let's change the law to uh, ramp up our punishments to capture. Uh, one bad uh, actor who we know is guilty and we really don't like and he attacks somebody that we you know watched for years as an entertainer it was all very public and kind of a scary idea and what if we don't punish him so that other people you know follow suit because they see that that uh, people who attack medians on stage are, are going to be you know treated with kid gloves bad facts make bad law is the famous statement so we can come up with lots of reasons why this fact this uh punishment doesn't feel like enough to punish this guy but that is how you get the slippery slope of every crime with bad facts gets leads to another law that over criminalizes people and suddenly we live in a freaking police state which yeah, well, we do let me hit you with a uh, hypothetical trick question okay because yeah. <laughs> well, i know I a lot, of, a lot <laughs> okay. of people maybe you and some others really don't Hippies. like dave Chappelle because yeah i don't no, it's true he's, he's really hard on the trans community and so yes. hypothetically what if the guy telling jokes up there was that hilarious youngster george soros if he had been charged now wouldn't was you want the guy to yeah, wouldn't to you want me? the guy to go to away, go away forever if it were george soros at no. risk i mean look i oh, grew okay, up my whole right. teenage so you didn't fall into my trap my whole teenage years i was you know i idolized dave Chappelle. i watched Chappelle's show like crazy it was the most popular piece of 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 comedy media it was brilliant my whole high school you know amazing talent is an incredibly funny guy his stand-up specials i mean they 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 blew our minds back then. Um, the fact that he has now, uh, you know, his politics are n not aligned with mine, and I disagree with him vehemently, and I think he does damage to the trans community, uh, including in this exact example where his first comment after this happened was to crack what appeared to be a joke, where he said it was a trans man who had attacked him, a as though. To, I mean, there's no indication that that's the case, that that's true. And he said it just to sort of get a reaction. Uh, he was just commenting on the pot that he had stirred. Yeah, that he is stirring up the pot. But the implication is that the trans community is really coming after him, that they hate him, that they're going to attack him. But that's not true. And I mean, it, it might be clear uh, to to Dave in his head. Uh, but what he's really saying is, man, these people really hate me. Um but Dave has unfortunately been digging his own grave on, uh, on in the court of public opinion here by every time he gets criticized from by the trans community and their allies. He just doubles down. He gets worse. He, he says more offensive things that 
aren't particularly funny. It seems to be working because Coin of the Realm among entertainers is let's talk about him. And everybody's talking about Dave Chappelle. Well, mostly because he got attacked. But yes, th- that's well, true. A You're lot right. of conversation about him after the Netflix special two months that's ago. Certainly true. Uh, that's on the trans true. issue. Absolutely. All right, so uh, we are going to talk about abortion, um, but first uh, we're going to take a brief pause after Connor it describes for you how to rate and subscribe to Too Many Lawyers. Yeah, check us out on your podcast platform of choice, and uh, more important than ever, because I just decided it is, uh, is to leave us uh, a comment so we can see how well we're doing, uh, whether there are, are there different topics you'd like us to tackle, uh, whether you want us to make want us to expand the podcast to be three hours long every week. Uh, we're not going to do that but you we'd love the suggestion uh, so please leave us a comment leave us a rating everyone helps we read them all uh, and we really appreciate it we'll be right back bp added more than 70 billion dollars to the u.s economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in california and starting up new infrastructure in the gulf of mexico It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. I'm Chris Hahn, the Aggressive Progressive. Check out a new episode of the Aggressive Progressive podcast every Tuesday. You know, the election is heating up just as the year is winding down. Stick with me. I'll tell you the truth as I see it. Download the Aggressive Progressive on Pandora or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Too Many Lawyers. I'm Laura Lokes. And I'm Connor Oaks. So the abortion decision was leaked. Uh, so many uh, qu- questions uh, in terms of why it was done and who did it and so on. And it's how unprecedented it is. Uh, I want to talk about first this issue, Connor, of how it is that the majority on the U.S. Supreme Court thinks it can get away with ignoring what I'm, I believe is a 70-30 public support for abortion rights. Those are the, the several polls have come out about that level. Uh, I mean, we've talked on this podcast about how the Supreme Court kind of follows the trends of public opinions when it comes to interracial marriage in the 60s and 50s, consensual sex acts in the 60s and 70s, same-sex marriage recently. It was just, it, it was kind of a tsunami of public opinion that established this is how Americans feel. And the, it's almost like the Supreme Court is saying, oh, okay, we're kind of stodgy old guys, but uh, we'll go along with you. Mm -hmm. And yet here, it's a total reverse reversal uh, of, of, you know, you got Roe versus Wade 50 years ago. Yeah. uh, Further support for it in the Casey case and so on. How is it that Alito and company think that they are in a position to basically spit in the eye of a 70-30 position by Americans on an issue where, let's face it, there isn't an absolutely crystal clear, right, wrong, you know, stupid, intelligent. There's a lot of, there's a lot of ambiguity in this. Why, why do you think that they feel they can get away with it? Yeah, it's a, it's a good question, and it's an interesting formulation of the question because I think a lot of people don't even give a thought to um, what are, you know, overlords, the people who 
run our lives, big picture, who uh, have major positions in business and government, uh, what they think they can get away with. They just do. But right? historically, the Supreme Court has been very sensitive. I mean, we talked, I think, a week or two about uh, how President Andrew Jackson was really pissed off about a Chief Justice John Marshall Supreme Court decision. And he said, OK, Mr. Marshall, you've made your decision. Now you enforce it. Right. And that puts a fine point yeah. on the fact that there you is no what, army right. at, this, at the behest of the Supreme Court. You and what army? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, and it's a it has come up in the past where the Supreme Court has, has, for instance, in the the Brown versus Board of Education case uh, where they said, uh, you know, you southern states are not obeying uh, Brown versus Board of Education. You're not integrating schools uh, and we will, uh, you know, have the National Guard um, uh, go down there and forcibly uh, guard Ruby Bridges. Uh, and others as they walk in and, and uh, are harassed and, and screamed at um, in order to uh, allow them to attend these these schools. Well, that was uh, at the behest of other government figures. That was because they had you know the sign on of the people who control the National Guard, which in generally uh, means the, the governors of some states control it and also the, the executive branch controls portions of the National Guard. Well, yeah, but the signposts weren't even as clear when it comes to segregation in 1954, I think, as they are about abortion in 2022. Too, because if I'm right about the 70-30, I don't think 70% of Americans in 54 were all that against separate but equal educational facilities. It probably was more like 60 or 50 or 55. So, I mean, that was bolder, I think, yeah. for, for, the, uh, for the Warren court uh, to make that decision. Yeah, it, it is pretty wild uh, when, when you think about um, something that, that Americans generally, big picture, when you ask them, you know, should the, the court do more or should the legislature do more? Should the president do more to protect abortion rights? Um, and they say yes in such large numbers. And that is viewed in sort of the court of public opinion as, uh, oh, there, there are religious people who have uh, strong opinions like uh, the Catholic Church has this notion and, and a lot of Protestants uh, as well have this notion of life beginning at conception magically when a sperm touches an egg, then boom, suddenly they become something that they were not before. Uh, you know, a, 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 a sperm, you don't have to protect an egg. You don't have to protect but a sperm touching an egg suddenly that is uh that is a baby and you have to uh, protect it so th that notion is i think in the american psyche it is kind of put into the group of oh there's religious people and they have this these deeply held beliefs and then there are some people who others consider well that you know there are other points in the, in the process of of you know, having a baby where other people draw the line and they feel very strongly but mostly it's a religious thing and yet well, Despite that, the court is saying is not coming at this from a religious angle. The court is not coming at this from a um, uh, uh, well. We just we know what the word murder means, and I'll tell you what the word murder means. It means killing a person, and this is a person, and boom, that's it. We're done. Yeah, but I think there's a bright line uh, between some religious issues and some legal issues. Yeah. You're suggesting it's kind of blurred here, but think, for example, about the idea of contraception. Yeah, I mean. Some people believe, I guess Catholics and, and who knows, or some Catholics, uh, believe that, okay, it's God's will if a kid gets born or not, okay? Right. And who are you to interfere with that through using a prophylactic device or taking a birth control pill? Some religions believe you should not take steps to stop the, the you know the creation of a child yeah. now to me that's purely religious some people yes. try to 
transmogrify that into a legal issue. And and then when you go beyond conception, then to me, it gets more, you know, certainly the religious angles, but then it's more comfortably in the realm of the legal issue. The idea of, you know, when does life begin? You know, does a fetus deserve protection or a, a clump of cells at one day? Right. How much different is the protection of the fetus when the fetus is one day from birth, almost yeah. nine months yeah. later? Yeah. So, I mean, I think we're, you know, we're talking and uh, certainly religion comes into play. Yeah, I think if the uh, if the uh, justices were forced, and this will get into something uh, that we will talk about a little bit more uh, later in the pod, about the structure of the decision, what they're actually, uh, you know, what Alito's draft purports to say, what the direct impact of it would be, all of these things are sort of big picture, zoomed out, abstract legal issues that Alito and Thomas and the others conservatives who, who have been, you know, on and then off the court or around the court or just political strategists, they have been working towards this for 50 years. I mean, since the day that Roe v. Wade passed, there has been a concerted legal and political movement in this country to say, how do we undo this? How do we fix this? How do we change it? And they have been working daily. There are massive public interest organizations with, you know, political money funneled into them to lobby people. To yeah, push, on both sides. Uh, yeah, on both sides, certainly. Uh, but it, it's this concerted effort to to, to make this happen. Um, this is the, the 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 fruit of that uh, uh, that movement, that you know, dedication that they have shown. Um, I, I think we will get into uh, the, the mechanics of, of what exactly this opinion says later. But and we, we can touch on it briefly to, to answer your question about why they think they can get away with it, because they're not saying, and this is not to downplay the impact, and this is not to say that the, this is not a dangerous situation. This is not to say they're not taking away your rights. They are taking away your rights. And they're you not saying abortion is murder. They're just saying right. let the states do it. Yeah, they, you, you should be out, out from protesting in front of their houses. But the, the, uh, they're not saying abortions are murder and therefore banned. You can't do them. And because they're not saying that, they're just throwing their hands up and saying this one decision 50 years ago was on unsound constitutional legal foundations. And who knows what will happen once I undo Roe v. Wade? Maybe some laws will pass, uh, be passed in states to ban abortion. Maybe some laws will be passed in, in states to uh, limit the number of clinics or how, how uh, late you can go before you get an abortion or you know whether you need doctor approval or whether you need your partner's approval or the father's approval or whatever else. It, all those things might happen but because it's so abstract abstract, the justices know, well, abortion is not going to disappear in California. That might cause a riot because mm -hmm. it's not going to disappear in California and New York. I think we're pretty yeah, safe. Small riot in Montana. Yeah. Um, all right. So next next issue, you've dropped some hints that you want to talk about an intelligent, substantive question about the structure of the decision. Ah, that's not where I'm coming from. Okay, okay. I want to talk about whether Ginny Thomas leaked the decision. I love it. So yeah. who, who leaked the decision? Conspiracy so, uh, Immediately, everybody assumed, oh, it's a liberal, a liberal clerk. Right. It's a liberal secretary on the, sta on the Supreme Court staff. And, you know, we want to it's a know, liberal get justice. people to rise up yeah. and, and, and protest it. That's a possibility. One way, yeah. But somebody, some people are saying maybe so, Clarence Thomas's yeah. wife did it to lock in the wavering conservatives? That's the theory. So the way that these opinions work, every court is different. But broadly, when you're deciding on your opinions, you have to decide who's going to write the opinion, right? And you don't write the opinion, at least you don't get to a complete cohesive whole. You might have chunks of the opinion written that you like and you could show to somebody, but 
you don't write the opinion until you know this is going to be the winning opinion <laughs> and this is going to be the losing opinion. And in order to know that this is going to be the winning opinion uh, versus this is going to be a dissent, you've got to know how many votes do we have. So say you are Clarence Thomas and Samuel Alito and Brett Kavanaugh and, and uh, the other conservatives on the court, you know, Gorsuch, the people and Amy Coney Barrett, John Roberts, the people who are deciding uh, the, this decision and, and, and deciding which, how many votes are going to go which way. And they're wavering and they're going back and forth. And they're not all it's not a monolith, right? They're not one unitary conservative force that just says, kill abortion. Here's the opinion. It's written on their horse trading, negotiating the language. Right. On what or what legal grounds they're going to argue for. Or maybe John Roberts, like he has done in the past, probably has said, well, let's not touch this issue. But now he's maybe outvoted. Right. So in this horse trading, they get to five of them say, "Okay, I'll sign on to an opinion that, you know, Tentatively, I'm going to sign on to an opinion reverses row. that reverses Roe broadly on you know some sort of broad grounds that you know, we talked Abortion about. Abortion isn't mentioned in the Constitution. Yeah, Privacy like isn't that. mentioned, and therefore it's up to the states. And, and they agree, but they say, of course, okay, I got to see your opinion, Alito. You're going to be writing it. They decide Alito's going to write it. Alito and his clerks run off and do a bunch of research and find a bunch of cases and a bunch of nonsense, and they put it in there, and they uh, they write this draft opinion. and 98 pages of nonsense. Holy crap. And maybe before they show it to anybody, or maybe after they start showing it to somebody, some of the other justices, there's rumbling. Maybe, conspiracy theory goes, some of the justices start saying, whoa, this is a bit wild. This isn't exactly the way I would have said it. This isn't exactly- And, and suddenly there is no sign. five uh, vote majority yeah, to- Maybe I don't want to say, sign. To say, yeah, there's no constitutional right. So if they don't want to sign, then the conservatives are thinking, oh God, the culmination of our 50-year legal project is falling apart. How do we get them to sign on to this draft? And their ideologues, Alito and Clarence Thomas, the, uh, Amy Coney Barrett especially, they are not about to start giving ground. So maybe How one. How did we of decide Ginny did it though? Maybe one of them, because Ginny is the wackiest of the bunch. She's wackier than Clarence. She's trying to. <laughs> she tried to engineer a coup, and her husband's on the Supreme Court. So the uh, maybe one or more of them says, "Look, Kavanaugh's wavering. Gorsuch is wavering." Who knows? John Roberts maybe is going to be, uh, you know, a, a maybe vote and we might even get him. In. And so uh, he's wavering. Uh, so we'll leak it. We, and then if they waver, they'll look like cowards. Exactly. You can't. The Supreme Court's entire thing is that they are these brainiac intellectuals who are not elected officials. They're not responsive to the will of the voter. They will not be persuaded and bullied and pushed. We make the right legal decision. We just we don't make shit up. I mean, poop up. <clears throat> Excuse me. There goes our, our, our family friendly. Radio. We've switched. <laughs> Too many lawyers after dark. We 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 are not going to uh, be making this political. We're finding the truth. We're like doing a math problem, a legal math problem. So if they put out a draft opinion and the liberal uprising is vast and angry and, and vociferous, and then they put a change and these conservatives waver and give in, they'll look like maybe cowards. They'll look like they're soft. They'll look like they can be persuaded. They'll look like they're not doing legal math. They'll look like they're doing politics. And that's the worst possible thing for a Supreme Court justice because they worked their entire lives and worked their way up through this entire system. And the entire point has been to prove we're super geniuses who just call balls and strikes. We're just judges who do the right thing and divine the legal underlying truth. We don't do politics. And so they they can, especially the conservatives say this. And so basically it's possible that a conservative leaked this to put a career gun to his uh, or her fellow uh, jurists' heads and say, uh, I will blow up the legitimacy of this court by 
people seeing that you wavered if you truly do. And therefore, boom, they get the road decision they want, no matter how extreme Alito's draft is. So when we come back, was it a crime to leak the abortion decision? BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Buckle up, folks. The Car Pro Show podcast is here to rescue you from the doldrums of everyday life. And you can find it on iHeart, Apple, Spotify, or wherever your podcast cravings take you. What do we have here, doctor? Looks like yet another case of the Car Pro Show podcast giddies. Do you concur? I concur. And it's spreading like wildfire. I know, but the podcast is so powerful. Jerry and Kevin dish out all the juicy car news from the Car Pro Friends universe. They review and chat about the latest car lineups from all the big players in the industry. And they take live calls to help steer car buyers in the right direction. It's highly addictive and impossible to shake. Do we alert the press? Are you crazy? If more people discover the Car Pro Show podcast and its cornucopia of car curriculum, this thing will spiral out of control. <laughs> Listen to the Car Pro Show on iHeart, Apple, Spotify, or wherever your podcast desires take you. Brought to you by CarPro.com, where you now have a friend in the car buying business. CarPro.com. <laughs> Whether it was by Ginny Thomas or Ginny Schmedlap, the gal who runs the Xerox machine in the Supreme Court. We'll answer that burning question when we return. This is Too Many Lawyers. I'm Roy Lopes. And I'm Connor Oates. So we're talking about the abortion decision leak. And now the question is, was it even really a crime? I mean, I think a lot of people agree that it was a really bad thing, that it undermines the credibility of the court. Yeah, but I like it. Folks have been looking into it. And there's a 18 U.S. Code, Section 641, says that it is a, a, a crime to misuse government-owned things of value. And somebody could argue that, well, a, a draft opinion is is a thing of value but that's kind kind of an iffy tough question yeah and it it, you know it's not uh some sort of confidential uh classified state secret where our enemy uh, overseas benefits from seeing it so uh, it sounds like as strange as it seems that it may not even be a crime at all to have done this i don't think that there that there will be any possibility of And the this DOJ being isn't doing anything crime. about it. Yeah. Merrick Garland hasn't said a peep about yeah. it. Yeah. And I also don't think that generally people regard leaking as criminal, like in the cultural lexicon. I think that a lot of people like leaks. Um, Donald Trump doesn't. Uh, he uh, railed against uh, them. And, and so a lot of his uh, followers, a lot of MAGA people, uh, sort of began this I hate leakers thing. Um, and this is... Uh, you know, was picked up and, and carried by Trump, but it began earlier with uh, uh, people like Edward Snowden and Chelsea Manning. And um, uh, what was the, uh, the, the woman's name? Um, she had a, a, a fun name. I can't remember what it was. Uh, but uh, We'll uh, edit it in later. Yeah, exactly. We'll dub it in right here. 
<laughs> uh, but it was uh, it was it was like destiny or something mm-hmm. like that. I can't remember. But it, it, these big high profile leakers are very often they're anti-establishment, right? That's I mean that's right. the purpose of a leak generally is to be anti-establishment. So the uh, the establishment generally doesn't like leaks, but that doesn't make them criminal. And I think a lot of people would agree with you with one of your underlying tenets in life is that sunshine is the best disinfectant. And to the extent that judges issue, uh, as you have pointed out tentative rulings in normal courtrooms all the time. Now, as you as a layperson listener might not know what a tentative ruling is, but a tentative ruling is when a judge writes an opinion that's a draft that's not binding and puts it out into the world so that the lawyers know what to where to go, where to start their arguments, the important points that the judge is thinking of, you know, uh, arriving at their decision based on. And that analogy that you have made to this leak opinion of being a tentative opinion that the public can basically make comment on, I think is a great analogy. I think that that is a really good way to think about it. I don't think it would be a problem if the Supreme Court put out tentative rulings, in fact, I think it would make their opinions better because they'd be able to get public comment and feedback. They'd be able to see whether their you know, read on public opinion of, well, should we make gay marriage legal is grounded in what the public actually wants, the way the world should be. Yeah, it's it's almost a, like a voluntary leak by the judge because, right. I mean, in the U.S. Supreme Court, they take up the case, you submit the briefs, you have an oral argument, and then months later, they issue a decision. Usually, it takes a long time. Um, if a decision draft came out early, well, that sounds like an, a leak, maybe it's illegal. A, a lower court judge, the judge says, oh, okay, there's a big motion here. File your briefs on these days. We'll have a, a, a hearing. Many times, as you were just discussing, the judge will issue a, an extensive written tentative ruling well in advance of the hearing. And so, you know, how is that any different from you know, this involuntary release of it? Well, a lot of people's attitude right now is cl- pearl clutching and teeth gnashing and wailing about the damage that this will do to the to in the uh, the reputation of the court and the institution well, it's certainly not a good thing well i disagree i think it is a good thing and i think that the the people who are of, uh, over dramatizing the downside the danger of this they haven't got a, a logical leg to stand on but isn't that because you you, you have a, a dog in the fight you have a strong opinion about abortion if it were the, the total opposite if somebody leaked some super progressive liberal decision you'd be okay with that as well yeah. I, if there I, was some political uh, uh, fall out from that that would somehow injure the chance of that progressive decision well, being fully implemented? No, I wouldn't be OK with the progressive thing not being implemented because I want that progressive outcome. But mm-hmm. as to the process of it, I don't think leaks are inherently bad or evil. I think that sunshine is a good disinfectant. I think that getting people talking about the conversation before it's locked in and binding allows people to you know, make the conversation more democratic. The Supreme Court is on purpose designed to be the least democratic of the three branches of government, the least responsive to the people and the desires of the people. It's designed that way on purpose uh, for lots of reasons and for arguably no reason at all. It's the sum of a bunch of people arguing back at you know hundreds of years ago about how the government should be shaped. Maybe they were smart and came up with great ideas about why it was this way. Maybe they wrote the Federalist Papers or whatever else, common sense or other things about it. Uh, 
and described their positions. But they all came to the conclusion that it'd be good if one of the three branches of government was a court and that it was pretty insulated. They'd have lifetime appointments. They'd be appointed, not elected. They'd be insulated from the, the, the vagaries of politics in some way. Now, I think that that was a massive, spectacular, horrific failure. I think that they're not in any way insulated from politics and that we all pretend that they are to our detriment. I don't think that the, the Supreme Court as a, as a concept, a court, is inherently a bad idea. But I think our current iteration of the Supreme Court is a bad thing that makes uh, our lives worse. To the extent that we can make it more democratic in some you know, multitude of ways, one of which might be having draft opinions, tentative opinions, having there be more sunlight and less privacy about the bizarre inner workings of how these opinions get handed down and how the horse trading go- works, goes back and forth. These people have chosen to be some of the most powerful people in the world. They have seized the reins. They've been handed the reins and they've grabbed them and held on and like RBG will not let go even when they should have. And they they have to pay a price for that. The price for that is sometimes they have less intellectual and personal privacy in the way that they come to the decisions that sculpt our very lives and rights, our most sacrosanct rights. You don't get privacy about that. So no, I don't think leaks are bad or damage the institution of the court. You know what damages the institution of the court? The wife of a Supreme Court justice trying to engineer a coup. You know what damages the institution of a court? Bush versus Gore deciding a presidential election for the conservatives because they had the votes on the court to do it, handing the election to George Bush Jr. That destroys Gunner, the legal to talk about anything but abortion in this five <laughs> I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. So but the idea, we'll get the idea that this leak really... And whether Ginny engineered a coup on another episode. Yeah, yeah. Let me ask you what to speculate about the political impact uh, of this. I think a lot of people initially, as I mentioned, thought, well, you know, it's going to help the left because it'll really rev everybody up and line them up. Uh, one thing that occurred to me is I wonder if early release will soften the blow because everybody's kind of getting gradually used to this. It's like the frog in the gradually, uh, yeah, it's uh, possible. you know, higher temperature water. Um, whereas if it had shocked the world on June 30, when Roe versus Wade is suddenly overturned, um, Maybe that would have been a more powerful help to the Democrats. I was reading that the Real real Clear Politics uh, poll, which is the conglomeration of a bunch of supposedly yeah. reliable polls, and so the average uh, is supposedly really accurate. They say this leak, since the leak, it's actually helped the Republicans' chances in the midterms by six points. Now, I assume that it would more enthusiastically energize the pro choice base than it would energize the pro-life base because when you win you know you're happy you're a little complacent when you have your 50-year dream ripped away from you i would think it would help the democrats but according to this poll maybe it's gonna help the republicans i i have a different conception of politics in in american life i think that winning is sexy I think people like the Lakers because they win championships. I think they like the Celtics and the the the, the Patriots for the reason the same reason. I don't think people like a loser, and I think that when you uh, win an election, people think you must be a good politician, and when you deliver. To your voters, people will reward you by coming out and voting for you, and your uh, pure, uh, uh, you know uh, numbers go up. The Democrats are. As people have frequently said, uh, basically the Washington generals, they're the uh, the <laughs> basketball team that the Harlem Globetrotters 
literally dunk on every single uh, game that they play. They lose 100% of games. And the the Democratic base uh, that gets excited and wears, you know, I love Liz shirts uh, might be out there cheering, saying we need to, you know, pay more attention because they're taking away our rights. But the average human, in my opinion, wants to see dinner on the table. They want their legislative agenda, their political positions vindicated. They want their policies uh, accomplished and put into place and, and legislated on. And when the Democrats control both houses of Congress and the presidency, and they fail to codify uh, or codify Roe with a federal law that protects it as a right or God forbid, I don't know, try to actually amend the Constitution as impossible as that might be uh, nowadays in today's politics. Instead of actually doing something that they need, that they have the power to do, they could abolish the filibuster and say, sorry, Joe Manchin, you don't control the entire country anymore. We're doing this. And they could fix it, and their voters, I think, would reward them for it. So the idea that when when the the conservatives win on their fifty year uh, you know plan to 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 accomplish some huge legislative goal and change the law in a way that their voters want, then their poll numbers go up. That makes a lot of sense to me. Winners win. That's absolutely. I go for the Lakers. I don't watch the Clippers very much. You know what are you gonna say? Sorry, I don't watch the Pittsburgh Pirates very much. I'm sorry, they're pretty crap. So the structure of the decision earlier in the podcast, uh, you made a comment on that. What, what's uh, what's your take in terms yeah, of? Yeah, yeah. So I guess people are are paying attention to the substance of it. So, oh, it's just so tempting to focus on uh, the issue of the leak and who did it and who it helps. Yeah, ninety eight pages from Samuel Alito that basically say at the base of everything, I Samuel Alito and some of my conservative wacko friends here think that the word. Uh, the 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 right to abortion, which in Roe v. Wade came from the right to privacy, which uh, in Roe v. Wade came from the penumbras and emanations of the words of the Bill of Rights, not exactly uh, in the the Constitution. The word privacy is not in the Constitution. The word abortion is not in the Constitution. The word woman is not in the Constitution until the amendments. The, but the word liberty is in the 14th Amendment to the Constitution right. and elsewhere. Right. And so, and so that's you, that's the you get an interpretation. Yeah. You get judges throughout our American history interpreting the words of the Constitution to say, well, what does it mean to have liberty uh, in your country? Well, in our country here, it means that you should have the right to, say, uh, personal bodily freedom. The government should be able to do tell you what to do with your body and your organs. Right. Uh, if you want to have a baby or not have a baby, you can't have a law that says uh, yes or no on that. Um, and that that sort of, you know, this 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 uh, decision that was made over the course of a long series of opinions that culminated in uh, Roe v. Wade and Planned Parenthood versus Casey in the 90s said, yeah, abortion comes from privacy, which is fundamental. It is deeply rooted in American politics that uh, the government can't tell you what to do with your body and uh, in your private life uh, in, in uh, you know, Griswold versus Connecticut, this contraception, Loving versus Virginia is uh, interracial, inter- marriage. interracial marriage. Um, and uh, then the the prophylactic, uh, uh, the, the, abor- the pill. Um, uh, the Griswold case out of Connecticut. Yeah, Griswold Connecticut. versus Connecticut, right. right. So um, you've got... Uh, You've got this this line of cases that culminate in the government saying privacy is fundamental. Alito marches in in 2022 and says 
the right to abortion is not deeply rooted in American political life, in sort of Western thought, whatever these you know phrases mean. That allows us to overcome established right. precedent yeah. if it wasn't deeply rooted. Yeah. So what he says is ah, the Roe decision was wrongly decided. They claimed that the right to uh, abortion and uh, out came out of privacy and that that as part of being part of privacy and liberty and everything else is is you know very fundamental in American thought. Here are a bunch of examples of people disagreeing with that. Somebody in the 1950s didn't like abortion. They didn't think that was part of a privacy right. They didn't think that was fundamental or in the Constitution or really was super crucial uh, to the world being a good place. Here's somewhere, some of the 1920s that said it. Here's Matthew Hale, philosopher and jurist from the, the, uh, medieval uh, England, saying uh, abortion is a greatest crime yeah. or whatever. Well, he in got old a lot English. of crap for that one, didn't yeah, he? Yeah, he did, because Matthew Hale said a lot of stupid things. Uh, he, as a judge, uh, put two women to death for witchcraft. Uh, and he wrote a treatise uh, in which he said that uh, marital rape was impossible uh, because uh, the, the women were, were not morally or legally obligated uh, or allowed to say no to sex with their husbands and therefore marital, marital rape could not exist. He was from, you know, old England, right? I mean, <laughs> he's wrong about a lot of things. But Alito didn't bring him up specifically to say he's right about everything. Uh, and he, he's correct on this as well, because he's right about <laughs> marital rape and witchcraft. Uh, uh, therefore, he's right on abortion. Um, what he brought him up to say was, and you know, to give him maximum possible credit, even though you don't got to hand it to him, but it, to give him maximum possible credit, he's saying there are people who've been saying that abortion is bad and a crime for a really long time in uh, the legal tradition that our country's legal tradition is based on. But that argument just goes to him sort of cherry picking features from history and deciding what deeply embedded and deeply rooted in American politics and, and uh, American legal history means, right? He's trying to uh, construct this argument when everybody reading this, everybody left, right, center, everybody reading this knows this isn't some legal math problem. This is you aren't finding the right answer. You're deciding the moral status of a medical procedure that a woman undergoes. You're trying to say, is this right or wrong? Yeah. It doesn't matter whether it's legally, well, maybe, you know, deeply rooted in American political thought. What matters is, should women today be able to get abortions? How, where, when, why? How much should it cost? Should they be able to you know, get it at clinics or just hospitals or whatever? Maybe else? these the, are questions maybe, we need answered. Maybe the dopey parts of Alito's draft will come out because that's what you know the yeah, final gonna, revisions and tight, edits are for. We'll get a tight nine nine point eight pages uh, uh, final. Yeah, yeah, everything else will be chopped. Kavanaugh yes. will say, "I'm not voting unless I get to chop so out." The 50% producer of it. Uh, will give notes, you know, to Alito. Yeah, Here's exactly. how you gotta everybody's it. first draft is long and cumbersome. That's how first drafts work. So. Here's here's my question. Maybe you can help me with this. Why is it that the uh, the word abortion is not in the Constitution? The word privacy is not in the Constitution. Why is that argument had so much traction? Yeah. Maybe it doesn't have that much traction if you look at the 70, 30 uh, opinion right. polls. But it's it's such a standard tool in yes. the toolkit. And I mean, I don't get it because we talked about liberty earlier in the podcast. So you have a right to liberty in various portions of the constitution what does that mean it, it means a million different things yeah. and you can you can come up with definitions and and examples that are silly and you toss them out but judges don't usually deal with silly definitions and examples i mean let's think about conscription yeah the draft yeah 
that word's not in the Constitution. Sure. The draft yeah. isn't in the Constitution. Yeah. How could, you know, uh, therefore it is impossible that it would be unconstitutional to conscript somebody. No, it isn't impossible. That's why you have an argument. You yeah. go, I'm sure plenty of people over the centuries have sued the uh, U.S. government saying, what do you mean telling me I have to go over and get my brains blown out? Yeah. That's unconstitutional. Yeah. I'm a guaranteed yeah. freedom of... <laughs> and it's not in the Constitution, but we address it. And yeah. we just decide whether there is... You don't yeah, have to come right. up with an emanation or a penumbra. Yeah, you yeah. don't need any of that. You just need the word liberty. Yeah. And you then you have to... Now, so why is it that now... I was watching Bill Maher the other night and Paul Begala, a big pal of Bill Maher, of course, for many years and the defender of Bill Clinton. He's given the party line pro-choice. And there's a gal who's a sideline reporter for ESPN or something who's now doing a podcast. And she's arguing the pro-life position, not super extreme, but but right. sort of on Some that sort half. Of pro-life position. And he's making the argument that I was making about liberty yeah. and, you know, there's, you know, do with your body what you want. And she pops in and says, well, yeah, but this is different because it isn't just the woman's right. It's the right of the baby, or if you want to call it a fetus. So that does make it even murkier. And it suggests once again that there is no black and white, absolutely right or wrong deal. And the idea of a viability compromise by the Supreme Court over the last several decades, it ain't such a bad idea. I mean, almost, in the view of a lot of people, right, almost nobody out there, very few people out there would tell you that at eight months and 29 days, you should be able to abort a baby that would be totally viable out, the, out of the womb, if only it would get its butt in gear and actually uh, get born. Right. Very few people, uh, if any, but very few. There are some, you know, philosophers out there who draw that sort of distinction. In fact, there are philosophers out there who say, well, uh, if you uh, if you uh, we should consider personhood uh, at a later point in, in the child's life uh, and a children should be able to be aborted once they're after they're born, well, those right? Are, those Nobody. are philosophers. Those are morons. Right. Nobody actually has these positions, right? So obviously you have to make a decision about what this means, what abortion means, right? You do need to make a decision and uh, positions like viability are very uh, uh, very popular overall. And when people talk about pro-life and, and pro-choice, it really does uh, narrow down, uh, you know, myopically the notion that you um, are, are you know, going to solve this with with a slogan, solve this with a one word answer of, of yes or no uh, to a notion of abortion, because really nobody thinks of it that way. So the the question, though, um, of, of why, uh, you know, things like arguments like, well, abortion's not in the Constitution um, and therefore, you know, should not be allowed. Um, it, abortion doesn't count as liberty or whatever. These arguments work because they're glib and because they're to, to the point, because most people are really apolitical, I think. Most people are really zoomed out well, of plus, politics. You know, there's, there's some squishiness on, on one side and some concretized thinking on the other. Uh, yeah. The pro-life people say, I have a question for you. When does life begin? Yep. I know it begins at conception. I've got an answer here. Yeah. And, and, and because and, I have an answer, I have a massive advantage in the argument. I yeah, have a, yeah, like, yeah. It's like the And they challenge the yeah. pro-life, pro-choice people. What's your answer to the question right. of when? Yeah. Does life begin? Right. And in the same way, get, that then it gets real complicated. Religious people very often have the easy answer and mm-hmm. then the good starting point in a discussion with an atheist when they say, Well, I say God created everything. What do you say? 
Well, oh, 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 it's complicated? Your answer is it's complicated? I guess I win before we even start. Because you can't explain to me a biogenesis. You can't explain to me where and when and how lightning struck a bunch of, uh, you know, scum on, in a protozoic. Amino acids. Yeah, amino acids in an ancient uh, uh, ocean and where life came from. And because you don't have the details, because that stuff isn't very well fossilized, is it? Uh, you don't have an answer, and therefore you can't give me one. But when we look at... Uh, you know, the way that abortion is practically yeah, done know, in this country, go ahead. Go we ahead. know that third trimester abortions are massively, incredibly, unbelievably right. rare. In the vast, 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 vast majority of them, they are undergone as a result of uh, a, a medical crisis that puts either mother or baby's life or both in dire danger. And even second trimester uh, uh, abortions, uh, studies have found that second trimester abortions in this country are vastly, vastly, vastly the result of people who sought abortions in the first trimester and faced the impediments that are placed in their way by the medical establishment, by state governments, by the federal government, by everybody that prevent them from getting an abortion when they wanted to get one in the first trimester, and the second trimester abortions are, uh, you know, often the result of a medical crisis and danger of a wanted child, but secondarily, vastly, vastly, vastly uh, in the majority, uh, the result of people who don't have the didn't have the money when they first found out because it costs hundreds of dollars to get an abortion, to travel out of state or to, to a faraway clinic to get it done, um, to or to see a doctor beforehand uh, bef to you know get the uh, find out that you're pregnant really and what your options are and how it's going to work mm -hmm. and how much it will cost and how to get there and everything else and when you look at how much the average american makes we're talking substantially half maybe or all of your paycheck for the month so yeah some people need to save that money or borrow that money get loans or get you know a donation from the frontera fund or whatever to actually make that happen that takes time and now boom we're six weeks in a day and you can't get it in alabama now you've got to spend even more money to get out of that state and into another a bluer state and get a second trimester abortion and then boom, suddenly the statistics are showing that women are just throwing out their babies because they just don't want them and they change their mind. And people are saying third trimester abortion this, second trimester abortion that. Look, we want abortion, we progressives, I want abortion to be available and easy and cheap or free uh, so that women have bodily autonomy, so that they can make their decisions. And it is it is the 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 uh, a very powerful tactic of the anti-abortion, the anti-choice groups out there to focus on the ultra rare latish abortions that occur without recognizing the the reality of why those abortions are happening so late in the trimester scheme. Well, we'll follow the story, of course, in terms of resolving the mystery about the leak. And uh, I, I'm, I'm wondering if maybe they'll try to rush it out uh, sooner than wait till waiting till June 30, because traditionally in the really big decisions, uh, unless they were argued way back in October or November, they just announce it in the very last few days of June. Oh, going to be pulling an all-nighter, drinking yeah. Red Bull. Well, I just wonder if they, they probably feel like, let's get this Let's get this uh, behind everybody's us. They're protesting mirror. in my house. Yeah, because they're pressing. I mean, and would anybody be shocked if there was a horrendous act of violence? I would be shocked. Uh, I'd against, be terribly shocked. Well, well I, 
I don't know. I mean, maybe I'm just thinking of the fact that we've got so many hundreds of millions of people in America, and many of them are wackos. So anyway, we'll uh, we'll follow the story. But meantime, to polish off the podcast, our traditional feature, guess the verdict. It's Woo! our idea of a game show where I give Connor the I'm all uh, warmed up, riled facts up. of a case. Now I'm I, I mentioned this is about a, uh, a barking dog. We're going to change the name of the dog here to okay. protect uh, the innocent dog, ah, and also change identity. the name of the people. But but so we'll just make up some names. Um, we're in Redlands, California. Kind okay. of you know where that is? Near home. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, sure. Nearby us, sort of SoCal. So 75-year-old Bertha Schmedlap is walking down the sidewalk in Redlands, California. Coming toward her several yards away is Cindy Lou Who walking her poodle Mitzi. Mitzi. Just nice. making these names up. Um, it's adorable. Cute a- scene. As Mitzi is trotting along and getting a little closer to Bertha, Mitzi decides he's leashed. She's leashed, by the way. She's okay. got some wild animal, gotcha. you know, eating wolverines. So um, all of a sudden, the, the poodle, I have no idea what that means. The poodle uh, starts barking loudly at Bertha ah. Schmedlap, the 75-year-old okay. woman. What does she do? You might call this an overreaction, but she fell oh, and no. broke a hip. And oh. I think she said, because she heard it on TV, I've fallen and I can't and get I up. And I can't get up, yeah. sure. Yeah. So Bertha Schmedlap sues Cindy Lou Who and her poodle Mitzi. Ah. And um, the jury is sinking their teeth into this case. What do you think, <laughs> Just Connor? like Mitzi wanted to. Yeah, who wins? That's an interesting question. Okay, so uh, generally this would go to, um, you know, when people get hurt and lawsuits result from those uh, from those harms, people are generally talking about either assault or battery, civil assault and civil battery. Civil battery is the touching, unwanted, unconsented to touching of another. That doesn't need to be their skin, but it does need to be something closely associated with their body. There's even a, an opinion saying a battery can be blowing cigar smoke in Ooh, your face. Ooh, that's nice. Little particles. Yeah, yeah, I get it. So if somebody grabs a plate out of your hand, as famously happened in a, a civil rights case, a, a, a black man was in a buffet line and the hotel manager ran up and grabbed the plate out of his hand and said, you can't eat in this line because you're black. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was a battery because he yanked the plate out of his hands and didn't huh. touch him, but he touched the thing that was associated with him, the thing he was holding. Yep. You grab my shirt and throw me to the ground. Well, that's obviously a battery, right? Or your dog bites me. Obviously you, a battery. If you wear your buffet plate, then the same thing. <laughs> right, yeah. On the other hand, assault is the apprehension, that is the fear of an imminent battery. So if somebody puts their fist up at you as though they're going to punch you and they sort of fake at you. So the technical definition of assault, which most people think is, oh, you got hit, is right. actually not the hit, it's but the, the anticipation. Fear. Yeah, right. it's the fear, the anticipation, the apprehension of being battered, of being hit. So in this case, it could totally be the case that uh, Cindy Lou Who was wandering the neighborhood with Mitski, thinking, oh, I'm going to terrorize old ladies, I'm going to scare them. So it's actually Mitzi, not Mitzi. Mitzi. Sorry, Mitzi sorry. sounds sorry. a little too Russian. Russian, yeah. We got the like, sensitive times we right like now. We don't like that. Yeah. So uh, she's, she's roaming the neighborhood, uh, hoping to scare old ladies uh, with the apprehension of a dog bite. Uh, if that's the case, then you get this, you know, this this case where somebody is is using a dog as a, as a, a deadly weapon or a weapon of, of uh, mass terror, right? She's a, she's a doggy terrorist. Um, on the other hand... We'll call it minor terror. Yeah. On the other hand, um, you can think of uh, a dog either as a, a weapon of a mass terror, uh, or you can think of a dog as a fuzzy band's best friend, something that people rarely you know, are actually f- uh, fearful of. Um, and dog 
barks as a normal part of walking down the sidewalk and interacting with other humans. If I were walking down the sidewalk and yelling in an unexpected way, I wouldn't expect that to lead someone to think that I was about to bite them. But dogs are different than humans and yelling doesn't necessarily lead to biting, but barking might lead more of a slippery slope to right. biting. So I can see the argument that they're making here uh, that uh, that Mitzi uh, is uh, is a deadly doggy weapon and that she's, you know, caused this woman <laughs> to fall down. And, you know, sounds like this barking did cause this lady to fall down. There's a whole different causation question about whether the lady just fell down while the, while the dog was barking and it wasn't the dog's fault at all. But let's imagine that the causation Almost certainly is caused. It. The chain of causation is unbroken and that we're dealing with doggy cause fall fall lead to broken hip i think little old lady gets compensated because i think there's a strong correlation between doggy barking loudly and aggressively at little old lady walking down the street and the lady fearing oh my gosh i'm gonna get bitten and then she falls and gets hurt final answer that is my final answer even even if it's wrong that would be your final answer oh god well now you because it's wrong no so good try, Connor, but actually Bertha Schmedlap went down oh, for the man, second I time. Thought, I thought we wouldn't be hearing about it if she'd lost. Uh, Cindy Lou, who wins? The jury voted for the dog owner. Their attitude was love dogs. dogs bark. I mean, you know, if the dog had jumped and lunged and came within True. an inch of Bertha's True. nose but. and Bertha, you know, fell. But no, but no, jury was just, just the dog. It was Redlands juries. You yeah. played as large as you better stay out of Redlands. Yeah. All right. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time on Too Many Lawyers. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America.